Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. And let me welcome to the show. She is, of course, the founder and CEO of Miyoko's Creamery. The vegan meat cookbook is the book. Let me welcome the one and only Miyoko Shinner. Welcome. Hello. Hi, Karen. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Good to see you. You got this whole New York City backdrop going with all, all yeah, of the... Yeah, I can't turn off. I've been trying to figure out for some reason my virtual <laughs> background. I'm trying to turn it off, and I couldn't. But we put That's up this right. billboard in New York City. We figured if you can't, the New Yorkers can't get off to see cows, we're going to bring the cows to you. So I see we've got it. a gal hugging a cow there. <laughs> now, being a vegan and mm-hmm. also doing dairy, aren't those uh, conflicting? Well, we don't do dairy. We make dairy out of plants instead of cows. So we think cows are for hugging, plants are for milking. So we define ourselves as a compassion-centric company. And what we're trying to do is create a food system that's based on equity and justice for all, for humans and non-human animals. Everyone deserves to be able to live their lives the way they want, to be able to enjoy freedom and healthy foods. And this applies for all living beings. So, you know, we're, it's, it's humans, of course, but animals as well. And, you know, cows also love to be hugged, believe it or not. I have a farmed animal sanctuary. I rescue farmed animals. I give them a new life. And you wouldn't believe the joy that they experience when they're given freedom to express mm-hmm. themselves, to be who they are meant to be, just like each and every single one of us. And that's the kind of world we have to to create. What we don't realize is that it all begins with our food. If we're eating food that involves exploitation, sometimes not just of animals, but sometimes of, of, of human labor as well, there's child exploitation sometimes and like the chocolate trade, et cetera. If we're eating foods that start with exploitation, how can we create a system, of food, um, a world of compassion? How can we go beyond just food? And so we really have to start with what's on our plates, and, and really think about, you know, is this food just, is it, is it equitable? Is it helping feed people or is it taking food away from people? Sorry, but yeah. So no, 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 no problem. Listen, animal products. Yeah. Miyoko, I'm going to just uh, push back a little bit because okay. I, you know, not that I believe that there's a hierarchy, but I do. Uh, I okay. think people, I think people care more about animals, unfortunately, uh, especially dogs and cats and other, yes. like there, you, you'll get more people riled up about the, the killing of a gorilla, yep. uh, yep. or, uh, or a lion. Remember the lion? Yes. Oh my goodness. It was whole pages. Then yep. the killing of then human beings. Yep. So I, I, I don't, I think in the hierarchy, I'm going to say humans should come first, all humanity. I don't disagree with you because I don't eat any of that. I'm not a meat eater. I don't eat meat yep. and I, and I don't do it for humanitarian reasons. I do it for health reasons, but right. I'm good with the byproduct being that we save uh, the lives of animals as well. So yeah. I just wanted to say that. No, uh, no, I totally. Absolutely. I mean, it really is true. It, you know, there is a, a speciesist, that's another word, speciesism. And so we do discriminate against different species. You know, it's, there's discrimination just across all the ranks. And that's, it's something we have to all overcome. We have to, I know, I, I'm a huge optimist. I really do believe that humankind is evolving and there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering going on right now, a lot of hatred and anger. But if I just wanna say, if we think about where we were 500 years ago, a thousand years ago, 1500 years ago, 
humankind actually has evolved. Agreed. Uh, we're actually less violent today than any point in human history. And I'm like listening to what happened in San Jose this morning and, you know, on George Floyd's anniversary, et cetera. I mean, there's way, there's too, way too much violence, but the amazing thing is we're finally becoming conscious of what's wrong with that. 500 years ago, a thousand years ago, we weren't as conscious. So I feel like we are evolving slowly and I'm very hopeful that humankind is gonna to evolve to a point where we really can approach the world, all, all everybody, you know, with, with love and compassion. I, I'm really, I'm not, that's what I'm betting on. I love that spirit. I'm not so hopeful for that, but I'm just getting into veganism. I actually own land in Missouri and it's all vegans. And boy, when I go there, they feed me so well, but it's so labor intensive. I, I know in all of your recipes, you know, how can you make it not so labor intensive for us who just like, you know, normally I'm grabbing some fast food is, do you have some ideas for how we make eating, you know, without, uh, speciesism, uh, how can we make it less labor intensive? I was looking at your recipe for how to make the vegan sausages. And I was like, oh, that's so much work. I can just go to get a Beyond over well, there. And you should, you should just go get a Beyond. <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally easy. But you know, if, I mean, if you think about it, we didn't always eat in such a complicated manner. You know, hundreds of years ago, we ate really simply. Humans ate legumes and vegetables and grains for the most part, it was very simple cooking. And that's really the healthiest, to be honest. I mean, it's wonderful that we have all these products available today that will make your cooking experience. I mean, it's very easy to just get a Beyond or Impossible Burger, throw some vegan cheese on it, put it in a bun, and you've got an easy meal. It's no more difficult than doing that with a meat-based burger. But it's also not difficult to boil a pot of beans and just keep that pot in your refrigerator and uh, you know eat it all week long. And that is so healthy for you. I do that. I eat yeah. beans for breakfast because I That's find great. that it fills me up. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll do a pot of lentils with some, uh, you know, onions and peppers in there. And I actually got into that when I was down in Peru doing Aya. And that's all they fed us because you have to eat very clean when you're taking the grandmother spirit. Yes. Yeah. And it, you feel so much better too when you eat that way. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of myths. I mean, let's say you take something like risotto that sounds so complicated and people go, Oh my God, I don't want to labor over risotto. Well, actually, if you just throw all the ingredients in a pot and put it in the oven, seriously, the risotto cooks itself. So there are so many shortcuts for cooking easily. So in one of my books, the homemade vegan pantry, I really take the mystery out of a lot of things like ketchup. You can make your own ketchup at home in less than five minutes. If you have tomato paste, some vinegar, some sugar and salt. All you have to do is mix it up in a bowl and you've got ketchup that not only saved you three bucks because you didn't, you saved the plastic because you didn't have to buy the plastic either. Um, but you know, you, you've got this ketchup that can stay in your cupboard and took you five minutes. I mean, there's so many easy tricks, believe it or not. Veganism doesn't mean that you're going to be laboring over the, over the stove. I'm, you know, and, and the older we get, like, and I run a company and I'm, you know, I'm 63 years old now. I don't want to be in the kitchen slaving away all the time. So over the years, the one thing I've learned is how to simplify everything. So, so I have a question about your sausage recipe. What's the replacement for the gluten that's listed in the ingredient? So that particular recipe, I think you're talking about the one in the homemade vegan pantry, right? Um, that one really does require gluten. But in my new book, the, the, uh, this one here, the, the Vegan Meat Cookbook, I have gluten-free meat recipes in here. 
Um, in fact, I even have like a, a meat ground beef mixture that you keep in the cupboard. It's, and it's just ground up grains and legumes and seasonings and you keep it in your cupboard. And when you want, you just rehydrate it with some water and then you've got voila, instant ground beef. Mm. So there are, and then there's like, you can make meat out of mushrooms. There's a pulled pork recipe that you make out of mushrooms. I know jackfruit pulled pork is big, but you can do that with mushrooms. I've heard about that, yeah. Yeah, so there, there's lots of gluten-free recipes, um, you know, that are made what out of- What got you there? How did you come to this? How did you even come to this? Uh, you mean, well, you mean to writing about meat? To getting, or, to wanting to make vegan cheeses and to just getting yeah. on this- it's been a journey. I became vegan when I was uh, it, when I was in my mid twenties. I've been a vegetarian since I was twelve. When I first made a connection that that I was eating animals, and um, my mom put pork chops in front of me when I was twelve years old, and I pushed them away, and I never ate. I haven't eaten meat since. It was that simple. It was just like all of a sudden. And mama didn't beat your butt. No, she did. She stopped cooking for me, <laughs> and that was the best thing ever because I had to learn to cook. So, so uh, you know. Um, she was worried at first and then she was like, you're on your own. And I, I've always been really independent since I was a kid. So I think I learned to cook. But when I was in my twenties, I gave up cheese and dairy products and I loved cheese. I was, I was a real addict and it just was a very long journey. I had to figure out how do I satisfy that desire and why, you know, I mean, the thing is most people of color are, are allergic to lactose. You're aware, like literally um, it, almost all of us, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Hispanic, black, Japanese, Asian. I mean, chances are we're allergic to dairy because we, we didn't grow up eating dairy traditionally. Mm. I mean, our, our races didn't grow, evolve, grow eating dairy. So we have an allergy to it. And there's also a substance in dairy that people don't realize it's an opiate. It's mm. called casomorphine. Mm. And it's so it's a, a pro, it's a opiate that's released when milk protein casing breaks down and it's released in the body and it gives you that sort of feel good feeling. And it's in all mammalian milk. It's in our breast milk too, which is why babies fall asleep at the breast partly, be, not just because they're full, but because they're a little high. And, and that's so, why that mac and cheese on the holidays just puts you right to sleep. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. You're a little high. You just have a little bit of that opiate and it's super concentrated in cheese. And so we're literally addicted to cheese biologically. It's hard to give it up. Um, and so I was on this quest, like, okay, I'm not, you know, like it was on my bucket list of things to do in my life before I kicked the can. I, I felt like I had to figure out how to make vegan cheese. And I did. But Miyako, now that you done told us it's an opiate, we might have people running out to get the dairy right now. Talking about opiate cheese? That's easier than going to those Sackler products. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I've just gotten myself into trouble there. So. <laughs> oh man. So um, I always knew that, that, that cheese was a problem. And, um, but the goal Tanya is we don't want to be addicted. We don't want to be enslaved to anything. Right. We need Agreed. to decolonize our tongue to That's quote right. Dr. Senyata. Amen. Uh, so, um, yes. yes. So Miyoko, you know, breaking away from cheese, I think is the first thing we all need to do. Plus, you know, there's, there's, not just health components, as you mentioned, because it doesn't really hurt a cow to milk it. But we're not calves. We're not baby cows. We shouldn't be drinking cow's milk or even goat's milk. Uh, and we're not goats. We're human beings. And we get off our mother's teeth for a reason because we're grown. Right. Even the Bible talks about when you when you grow up, you stop, you put away those childish things. And you don't drink the milk anymore. I'm just also curious about how it goes from 
for you getting off the cheese and then starting a business, you know, like how do you, I mean, cause I, I go into Whole Foods. I see your stuff. I see your stuff in the store, in the grocery store. Miyoko's you've seen it. All of you have seen it. If you shop in, in natural places, you've seen Miyoko's cheese to you're huge. Tell me that, that story arc from well, having an idea and a bucket list to turn into this industry that you have. Well, to be honest, um, I've been a serial entrepreneur since I became vegan in my mid-20s. And I've had everything from a bakery to a restaurant. I had another natural food company in the, in the 1990s where I made meat alternatives. Um, and so I've been, I've never had a job, to be honest. I had part-time yes. jobs in my early 20s, but I've been self-employed my entire life. And that's like the only thing I know how to do. And why do I start businesses? It's because when I went vegan, I did it for a mission. And so I always say that Miyoko's isn't a company with a mission. It's a mission with a company. And my mission is to liberate all living beings. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, you talked about, I, I do want to just, I, I don't want to like um, get too graphic, but I do want to just mention that there is, there is suffering for cows and milking because cows only give milk if they're impregnated. They're, and they're not impregnated naturally. They're actually put into something called a rape rack and they're forcibly <sighs> impregnated by a man, by a human being. Because there's, and then they go through this cycle of constant impregnation. And then nine months later, they give birth to a calf. That calf, the farmer comes along with a wheelbarrow and takes the calf away after 24 hours. Because if the calf is allowed to remain with the mom, we can't have the milk. The calf isn't, the milk is intended for the calf, but if we're going to commodify the cows, then we have to take away the calf. So the calves are raised in isolation in these little pens for several months before they're allowed to roam. And so it's the moms are crying out for the, the calves. Mm. The calves have no idea what's going on. Um, and this cycle continues for four or five years, maybe six. And then the mother is by this I'm considered spent and she's sent off for slaughter. So she ends up being hamburger eventually. Now what happens is when a calf is born, half the time it's a male, half the time it's a female. Well, the males are no, no good. So they're often simply discarded. Sometimes if they're not healthy enough, they're just thrown in a pile to die. They go off to auction. They become part of the veal industry. The reason we have a veal industry is because we have to do something with male calves because they're not good for milking. So there, it seems so benign, you know, all we're doing is taking the milk of a cow. But if you Ooh. think, the, you know, it, it, if you think about women's rights and apply that to animals, it's like an exploitation of the female cow in the worst form. Um, and so this is what I mean, like when we commodify any, any living being, whether it's human beings or animals, there's exploitation. And I want to end exploitation across the board. We shouldn't be exploiting anybody. Any, any human being, any animal. Exploitation doesn't, should not be part of our ethos. Who period. thought about this? I mean, who came up with the system? You know, I'm always fascinated. Who sat in a room and said, let's, I got it. Let's do this. And then we're going to well, have an uh, ad campaign, got yep. milk so we could sell more of it, and then yep. build the system to do it. Like, yep. who, I, I, I'm always baffled by how these things become so institutionalized well, that we don't even you know, think about it. Egg. It's big egg. I mean, because it wasn't like that always throughout history. You know, maybe you had a cow in the backyard and you milked it occasionally and 
you had, so the average American at the turn of the 20th century ate uh, something like 20 pounds of cheese a year. Now the average American eats 140 pounds of cheese a year. So you just have to, you know, I mean, we didn't always eat this way. This is, this is unnatural. It's and now we have more diseases from our right. food, from That's our right. eating than we had before we could eat this way. Like our eating this way is not helping us. That's right. That's right. That's right. I want to say something, what you said about who started this, you know, Karen, you keep wow. asking me about being married to white people. I will say that when I was doing chores with my kids, one day my husband said to me, you know, my son gets so much, you know, almost as much, um, uh, allowance is your son and he does so much less work and I was like excuse me do you mean you're raising your son to to do the chores with the least work for the most money and he said of course and I was kind of blown away I was like what and I was like this is the mentality you were raised to do the least work for the most money and I was like my little black boy is not going to get the job with the least work for the most money so if that's how people are raising their children of course we've got enslavement and exploitation because how else can you get the most for the least except by exploiting someone or something else yes and it's it's just it's inherent in our culture and it's unconscious um, it's conscious. It's a choice. Well, he was choosing to raise a child yeah, to figure out how can you get the most for doing the least. Yes. That's Tanya yeah, Pinkins. It's, it's Tanya Pinkins is here. Miyoko is here as well. Miyoko's Creamery, Miyoka Shinner. Am I saying your last name correctly? Is it Shinner? Yes, you are. Shinner. Shinner. Right. Okay. All right. The the book is the vegan meat cookbook. And I think we need a lot of those because I want us all to get off that meat teat. And of course, the cow teat and the goat teat and all of the teats. We need to not be on them uh, because they're killing us. Uh, I don't want to say that because I don't want to get into Oprah trouble like she did with the meat industry. But I think that's fascinating. That shows you how powerful it is. Right. The one thing that catapulted Oprah to wide success was when she said that thing about meat and the beef industry, the meat industry came for her. And that gave us Dr. Phil and a whole, I mean, it was crazy. They lost, by the way, but that shows you how powerful the lobby is. Now we're in a new lobby. I think that that this vegan space with the Beyond products and the Impossible products, we even see them at uh, Burger King and McDonald's, like this is the new frontier. They're figuring out how to make this now since we're all shifting oat milk. I I drink oat milk now every day with my matcha. Like this is the new thing. And it's uh, even uh, Starbucks now has oat milk and almond milk and, and all it and soy milk and everything. Is this good, Miyoko, that we're in this space, do you think? Yeah, it does because it empowers consumers. It puts power into consumers' hands to change corporate behavior. And we have to supplant the exploitation. We have to remove the exploitation in uh, our current food system. And we can empower people to change how they eat and by choosing foods that are compassionate, that don't cause suffering, we can help change the world. So here's one question, my last question for you, Miyoko. For people who live in food deserts and they wanna make this commitment to trying to make this switch and it's hard for them to get any healthy foods, what is a basic first step you would say for people who don't have a lot of money and they can't buy a $3 Beyond sausage how can they start this process with your yes. recipe? And that is a really, really important question to ask. And, and I would say not just for, there are, there's a movement right now to change food deserts. Um, you know, there's the guy, you know, Ron Finley, the urban gardener. Of who's course. Going in. Um, there's so many people like that. There is, um, 
the uh, uh, guy, I can't remember. I'm blanking right now on the guy, the, the vegan hip hop guy that's going in. That's Ron Finley. Yeah, there's oh, one. Paul, Paul Wall, too. Paul Wall. Yeah, Paul Wall. Yeah, yeah, there's a different, I can't remember his name right now, but like he's going in and helping um, change thinking uh, about food. There's the Plantega Project that's going into food deserts in New York and putting in uh, in the little bodegas various vegan foods at rock bottom prices. So there is a movement to create um, a, a wider distribution, but that is one of the biggest problems we have is that there is not uh, equitable um, food distribution. And it's true, if you are in a food desert, you just can't, I, I used to live in one myself in San Francisco out in the Hunter's Point area, there was not a grocery store. I was one of the lucky ones. I had a car, I could go to Whole Foods, but my neighbors, some of them couldn't. And so I, I've seen it with my eyes. You can go down to the liquor store for sure, but you know, there was, you, you could buy diapers and you could buy formula, but you couldn't buy a, you know, a green vegetable. And so I've seen it and it's, we have to change it. Um, um, I think we have to teach that they already have the knowledge. I mean, we talked about beans. You can eat for, for you can feed a family of four for $10 a day if you're eating whole foods. You can, you can grow a garden in the backyard. And I think we need to start a gardening movement. I think it's so important for everyone to, doesn't matter how small your apartment is, you can get five gallon buckets, fill them up with dirt and you can grow plants. Like we have to empower everybody to take control of their own food system Absolutely. and not be reliant on corporations. So, you know, it's buying that 25 pound bag of beans and learning how to make bean burgers and casseroles and all kinds of things. You can transform a, a, just a lowly pinto bean into so many different dishes, but we have to empower people to get into the kitchen, learn how to cook, grow your own food, and really just get back to knowing um, where your food comes from and how to take control of that. We have to become a culture that's more self-reliant and not give our power away to corporations. You are speaking to the converted, but we want to keep the choir going and yes. we want to thank you uh, these recipes are amazing. She even has a kimchi uh, beef bowl. I don't know what mm. she's making. The kim the kimchi right there, y'all. Uh, oh my goodness! All of the the calzones and the and the tuna melts and all. Mm. None of it's meat. None of it's meat. Calamari. You even have the calamari calamari friti. I don't know what that mm. is, but it looks delicious. You and you have variety, which I think is amazing as well. Let me say thank you to you, um, Miyoko. This is this is a great pro uh, mission that you're on. We support you wholeheartedly. We wish you a lot of success, and we're going to join you. Absolutely. Well, thank Bless you. you. Thank you, Tonya. Thanks for having me. Bless on. you. Thank uh, you. you Bless you, too. Thank Follow you. her, y'all, at Miyoko Schinner, S-C-H-I-N-N-E-R, on the Twitters. And, of course, go to Miyoko's.com to check it out. And get the book, The Vegan Meat Cookbook, Meatless Favorites. Check that out as well. Thank you so much for being here. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.